0: This is the Building Resilience Podcast, episode 129, Understanding Your CEO. Welcome to the Building Resilience Podcast, where you will learn all about building resilience in yourself and helping others build it too. Drawing from the principles of positive psychology, neuroscience, and coaching, I will help you face all the challenges and adversities that life throws at you and help you do more than just survive. I will help you thrive. I am your host, Leah Davidson, and I am a certified life coach and speech language pathologist. I will help you manage your mind, your emotions, deal with your stress and your overwhelm and lead a more purposeful and joyful life. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the building resilience podcast. I am excited as usual to have you here. And I'm excited because this episode airs in the month of June and I love the month of June. I get to celebrate my husband's birthday. We celebrate Father's Day, and it is our 15-year anniversary this year. And in celebration of that, I have invited my husband to come on the podcast. So I'm super excited about that. We haven't actually recorded it yet, so I'll see where it goes and how it works out, but now I'm committed to it because I've already told you all that he's going to be coming on, but I thought it would be fun just to change things up, to have him as a special guest. I know that I talk about him a lot, so you'll get to know him a little bit too. I would also like to ask a favor. It's a favor that I often ask of you, if you would be so kind as to share this podcast. I know that I would love to reach more people. And the best way to do that is if my listeners share it with somebody that they know. So I'd really appreciate if you would do that. And if you would like to leave a review, I would love that as well, because that helps the podcast get more known on all the platforms. Today, we are going to be talking about our CEO. Yes, our CEO. We talk a lot about our survival brain, or monkey as I call it. We've been talking a lot about the nervous system, which is really our brain and spinal cord and the complex network of nerves. But today, I want to talk about another part of the brain that we have mentioned, but not enough. It's our CEO. This is an important part of the brain because of where it is and what it does. Our CEO has a huge role. She is responsible for what we call all our executive function skills, and those skills include a lot of different things that impact our everyday living. So it's an area, if you've been in a car accident or a cycling accident, like many of my SLP clients that I work with, this is an area that is most often injured. The frontal area is the most common region of injury following a mild to moderate traumatic brain injury. And the temporal lobe often gets impacted too. And this simply has to do with the fact that they're in the front of your head. So your CEO is right in that frontal lobe. It is in the frontal part of your head. So think of how in an impact, you're likely going to be propelled forward, often leading to the front part of your head coming in contact with a hard surface at a high speed. And then it kind of ricochets back within the skull, hitting the back part too. So you get the point. I don't want to get more detailed than, that. but there are some big bony ridges at the front of your skull. And when your brain comes up against them, well, it's not so good. So frontal lobe damage is very common if you have been injured. So I definitely want to put a plug, wear your seatbelt, wear helmets. And while helmets may not be able to prevent your brain from moving inside, they certainly can help prevent other external serious injuries and can take a lot of impact. So we'll lessen the seriousness of any impact if you do hit your head. So please be smart. But let's talk about the CEO. The term executive functioning was coined back in the 70s by Carl Pribram, and in his research, he noted that executive functions are primarily mediated by that prefrontal cortex, so the front part of the frontal lobe. Executive function skills are often divided into different categories and different skills. Now, they are core capabilities that we need to have in order to navigate many challenges of adult life and in order to have success, whether that's success in school as a student or in the workplace or even in our relationships. And many of these adult core capabilities, they fall under the umbrella of what we know as executive function skills and self-regulation skills. So these are the skills that help us focus. Make decisions, set goals, control impulses, make and execute plans, be flexible, problem solve, etc. There are actually multiple definitions of executive function skills, but most researchers agree that they're a set of cognitive skills that help us organize and manage our resources and set and achieve goals. Now, executive function skills are intertwined in so many of the things that we do. Every time we set out to do something, we are using them. As I prepared this information for this podcast, I was heavily relying on them. And for you to get yourself to listen to this podcast and pay attention to it, you're also relying on them. So I don't want to bore you, but I think most people really struggle understanding what executive function skills are. So I wanted to introduce them to you today. Now, this may be of particular interest if you're a parent, because the frontal part of your brain, this part of your brain develops slowly and won't reach its full development until the age of about 25 to 30. So think of your kids and our teens in particular, even our young adults. It's important to know that their brains are still developing, which is why we want to help them, protect them by getting proper nutrition, getting enough sleep, trying to limit exposure to drugs and alcohol to help even in their decision-making. As much as they want to do things on their own, we do need to remember that their brains are developing and they don't necessarily have the skills. So they do benefit from guidance. They benefit from limits, from structure. They benefit from talking about things ahead of time, helping them script things out, planning things out, what they can say and do in certain situations, and then reflecting with them afterwards about what they did well and maybe what they could try next time. They could also benefit from us helping them establish good habits, specifically around screen time and making sure that screens aren't impacting their sleep, which I know is a huge problem. And then, of course, since we all know about the limitations of their brain, well, we have to be doing a lot of modeling. We have to give a lot of love. We have to be really patient. We want to try to keep connected to them. We want to help them co-regulate. And maybe they'll be pushing you away as a parent. That maybe there are other adults that they can connect with, family, friends, teachers, coaches, aunts, uncles, church leaders. Every kid needs to have at least one adult in their life. So as we go through what executive functions are, you can be mindful that these are the skills that our kids don't fully have yet. They're developing, and maybe that can help us have some more compassion and kindness with our kids and see the kind of things that we might be able to help them with. We are going to draw from the work of Dr. Richard Gouar, a neuropsychologist and certified behavior analyst who has written numerous books on executive function skills with his co-author Peg Dawson. And they actually just refer to the skills as executive skills. And there are basically 12 skills that are the focus of their work. And it's pretty much in line with a lot of other people say. And they divide them into three broad categories, planning, self-control, and monitoring. We will go through each skill under each umbrella, but to put it in context, I want you to think of yourself as having a roadmap with planning, organization, and time management. There are a set of related skills. They help us create a roadmap to get from where we are to where we want to go. Then there's self-control. We rely on our self-control to follow the roadmap to get to where we want to go. So self-control requires consciously directing our actions and behaviors towards the future while controlling our automatic responses, such as fight or flight, which may take us off course. When we lack the resources we need to meet our basic needs, we tend to be very present oriented, which makes it kind of hard to exert the self-control necessary to achieve future oriented goals. And then the third category is monitoring. Regularly assessing our behavior is what allows us to learn from our experience and to make adjustments if things aren't going the way we would like. So it's like making adjustments on the roadmap. Now, others have divided executive function skills into different categories, like how we organize and plan things, how we react to things, and how we get things done. So it's very similar. They all have this element of planning, regulation, monitoring, and executing. So we'll go through all the specifics in a second, but I do want us to acknowledge a few things first. Firstly, we have strengths and weaknesses in executive function skills. All of us do. It's okay. We are not meant to be perfect. Secondly, there are things that will impact our ability to develop executive function skills, such as our ACE scores, adverse childhood experiences, which you talked about when we talked about trauma or poverty, and then just ongoing inequalities based on race, ethnicity, gender, age, and social standing. So there are things that are going to impact our executive function skills. So I don't want us to forget those, but let's look at some of the individual skills. Now, under the umbrella of planning, we have planning and prioritization. This is just deciding what steps to take. It's the ability to set goals and then to create that roadmap to reach a goal or to complete a task. It involves being able to distinguish what is important and not important and be able to prioritize the tasks. So it's the ability to break down something that is pretty complex into small parts and create a plan so that you can complete those parts. So taking a large project and breaking it into small tasks and then creating a schedule to complete each task. Now, the next individual skill is organization. And this is the ability to create and maintain systems to keep track of all the information and materials that you have. So knowing where you're putting things. We need to be able to organize our thoughts in our language, spoken and written communication. And then there's time management. We need to know about how long a task will take and what the deadline is. So this is the capacity to estimate how much time you have, how to allocate that time, how to stay within time limits and deadlines. And it also involves a sense that time is important. Now, under the self-control umbrella, we have a few different ones as well. Firstly, we have sustained attention. This is the ability for you to pay attention even when you don't feel like it. So you maintain attention to a specific situation or a task for a specific period of time. And then there's selective attention, which is our ability to sustain attention in spite of distractibility, fatigue, or boredom. The next skill under self-control umbrella is task initiation. This is how we get started. It's the ability to begin projects without procrastinating, to be timely and efficient. Now, this skill allows us to begin tasks promptly, even when we don't feel motivated or interested in doing it. So starting a work assignment, even when you're not really feeling it. Then, Another skill is stress tolerance. This is how you manage your stress. So we've talked a lot about that on the podcast here. How do you work in quote unquote stressful situations? Even though we know that stress is created in the body, a lot of us simply just think still that it is because of the circumstance, but we know better, but I'll still label it quote unquote stressful situations and to be able to cope with uncertainty, change, and performance demands. So we do know, like I said, stress is physiological and we want to look at the ways we can manage stress in our body, but there are also things that we can do cognitively to manage stress and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Another skill is response inhibition. This is where you are able to see the consequences before you say or do something. So inhibition is the ability to control our impulses, resist distractions, delay gratification. It's the capacity to think before you act, to resist the urge to say or do something. And it allows you to evaluate a situation or how our behavior might impact the situation. This skill also helps you stay focused on tasks, even when there's distractions present, and make thoughtful decisions instead of impulsive ones. Then there is emotional control. Can you keep your cool when frustrated? Emotional regulation is the ability to manage your emotions and respond appropriately to others. It's the ability for you to manage the emotions so you can achieve your goals and complete tasks or control and direct behavior. This skill helps you stay calm under pressure, manage the stress, and communicate effectively with others. So for example, remaining calm and collected during a difficult conversation. And responding to others in a way that's respectful and constructive. The last skill under self-regulation is goal-directed persistence. Can you stick with a goal? So this is the idea that you have a goal. Can you follow through to completion of that goal and not be put off or be distracted by competing interests? So do we have follow-through skills is another way of wording it. Will you do what you say you will do? And we know that this impacts our confidence levels as well. Can you trust yourself to do what you're going to say you're going to do? So this is an important one. And then lastly, under the umbrella of monitoring skills, we have working memory, which is remembering what I did and what I need to do. So you want to be able to hold and manipulate information in the mind, the memory to complete a task. And it incorporates the ability to draw on our past learning or experiences, to apply to the situation at hand, or to project it into the future. This skill is essential for completing tasks that require multiple steps or multiple pieces of information that you have to pull together all at the same time. The next skill under the umbrella of monitoring skills is metacognition. This is the ability to think about your thinking. It's the ability to ask, how am I doing, or how did I do, to learn from past experience and to build on them. It allows us to self-monitor, to assess your performance and adjust behavior accordingly. And the skill allows you to recognize when you're making a mistake and to take steps to correct it. For example, when you're reviewing your work to make sure that you're meeting a certain level of quality, this skill helps you make the changes as needed. Now, we refer to it in SLP world as the ability to think about your thinking. It is a very high-level cognitive skill. And a fun fact, it's one of the top skills that we look at that serves as a good predictor or indicator as to how somebody will fare after their injury. That's why in my SLP work, we take what is called a metacognitive approach because that's the most evidence-based practice out there right now, teaching people how to be their own coach and monitor their own thinking and their own actions. And then lastly, under this category, we have flexibility. Ability to go with the flow, accept changes. Cognitive flexibility is the ability to shift your attention and adapt to new situations or information. The ability to revise plans in the face of changes, obstacles, setbacks, new information, or mistakes. So you just can't adapt to things that change. This helps you be open to new ideas, to change your approach when needed, and to be able to shift between tasks or shift between perspectives. For example, maybe adapting to a change in a work schedule or learning a new skill. And this skill is particularly important in thought work. When you ask a question like, how else might you think about this? For some people, it can be really challenging and it's likely because they're having a hard time with flexibility. Now, I do want to mention a couple other skills that fall under executive function skills under different frameworks. Problem solving is one. And this is your ability to identify and define obstacles and then generate and evaluate solutions and choose and implement the most effective solution. Then there's decision making. This involves selecting the best course of action among available alternatives. So multiple skills are involved in decision-making, which is one reason why we see a lot of people having a lot of challenges, because you need to evaluate options, weigh the pros and cons, consider the consequences, prioritize and plan. You often need delayed gratification. You need to regulate your emotions. And you need to be very flexible to come up with options, so there's a lot of skills which are involved in decision-making. Then think of what we do to our kids. We know that executive function skills are fully developed at only about the age of 25 or 30. So of course, logically, let's get them to make the most decisions of their lives before then. What do you want to be? Where do you want to study? Who do you want to be with? So that's why they do need our support early on because they're making decisions when they don't necessarily have all the skills to make the best decisions. Another skill that falls under executive functioning is judgment. This is a critical aspect of executive functioning and involves the ability to make sound, informed, and logical evaluations or assessments of situations, people, or information. And again, there's multiple skills involved in this. You have to critically analyze and assess information. You have to identify relevant factors. You have to weigh the evidence, consider different perspectives, anticipate consequences, balance the risks, and you have to self-reflect. So there's a lot going on. There are also many things that will affect our executive function skills. Things like our processing speed. Processing speed impacts our working memory, organization, and planning and attention skills. Self-talk is also something that can impact our executive function skills. Positive self-talk can be helpful, but many people with executive function challenges engage in negative self-talk frequently. Things like, I can't do this, I'll never be able to do this, and that can cause a lot of harm because it will deflate their self-esteem and create this sense of learned helplessness. And then motivation. Motivation and executive function skills are separate entities, but there's a direct relationship between the two. Somebody with poor executive function skills can appear to lack motivation, but really they're lacking the self-regulatory abilities needed to initiate and complete tasks. And then, of course, self-awareness. This plays a crucial role in the development and the utilization of executive function skills. So self-awareness is your ability to recognize and understand your own thoughts and feelings and strengths and weaknesses and behaviors. And it's so that you can have insight into your own mental, emotional states, be able to reflect on them. It's very closely tied to other executive function skills like metacognition and emotional regulation. And then there is foresight and hindsight. These are skills that interact with executive functions and contribute to effective decision making and problem solving. So foresight just refers to the ability to anticipate or predict future outcomes events and hindsight is the ability to reflect back on past events or experiences. So now that you have a better understanding of executive function skills, your executive function skills are probably overwhelmed because I've given you so much information but I want you to think about what happens when you go in a stress response. You may recall we've talked about it before, and I've said access to our CEO and our language skills is limited when we become dysregulated. This part of our brain is actually very sensitive to stress exposure. Even just small, acute stress exposure can cause us to have a dramatic loss Of our prefrontal cognitive abilities we lose access to our ceo so in a stress response a few things happen like there's a surge of hormones like adrenaline cortisol they're released and this can interfere with the function of our prefrontal cortex and when we have a lot of exposure to cortisol It can lead to desensitization of receptors in the brain. And then the cortisol receptors are desensitized and the prefrontal cortex becomes even less responsive to cortisol, which impacts its regulation and functioning. So overall, your CEO is going to have limited access when you are in a stress response. And now that you see how important our CEO is, how many things it is in charge of, that's why it is so important that you learn how to manage your stress response and learn how to be regulated. So if you learn nothing else from today's episode, I hope you learn to appreciate your CEO. I hope you learn that it's important to be taking care of your CEO, proper rest, proper nutrition, wearing seatbelts and helmets. And I hope you understand how important it is then to take care of your stress levels because if your CEO has limited access when you are stressed, it is going to impact a lot of things in your life. So you want to make sure you have maximum access of your CEO, which means you need to learn to befriend your nervous system. You need to learn how to regulate and if you need support doing this, if you want help learning how to regulate your nervous system, then reach out and I can help you. Have a wonderful week and I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Building Resilience Podcast. If you're interested in learning a little bit more about managing stress, building resilience, and leading a more purposeful life, then make sure we're connected on Instagram and Facebook at Leah Davidson Life Coaching.